We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchups against the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday, a matinee at MSG, and then again on Sunday, a Christmas Day matinee at MSG. The Knicks will be playing the Bucks for the third and fourth time this season, the second and third time this month. And oh man, are they catching the Bucks at an interesting time when they're looking pretty unbeatable at the moment. We'll talk about that in just a second. My guest for today is Rowan Cotty. You know how we like to collaborate with the Eurostep podcast, which is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. We've had Ty Windish on plenty of times here at Knicks Film School. Well, Rowan is Ty Windish's co-host. Uh, really knows his basketball. It's a fun conversation. As always, I really think you'll enjoy it. But as far as the Bucks are concerned, so... Remember that Bucks team we saw six games in that was just like not defending anybody. And then that was the game that they made the switch to put uh, Brooke Lopez in a bit of, of an elevated drop and to, to switch things up. They, they've been better on defense since then. They're no longer the 29th ranked defense anymore. In fact, they're, they're 18th overall. But more importantly, while that November 3rd date was important for the Bucks, November 13th is a is probably a more significant one because since November 13th, their last 19 games, they are 16 and 3. They come into Madison Square Garden on Saturday with six straight wins and their rankings in the advanced metrics that we like to look up are insane. So they're first in offensive rating. They're averaging 123 points, 123.6 points per 100 possessions. That's better than the Pacers or the Celtics or the Sixers or the Kings or any of the high-powered offenses, the Nuggets, any of the offenses you could think of. The, the Bucks has been better. The Milwaukee Bucks, this this team that used to be a grinded-out half-court team that just their their calling card was defense and Giannis being awesome. Well, now they're the, the trade-off of Dame Lillard for Drew Holiday seems to have worked. Number one in offense over the last nineteen games, they're twenty-one and seven on the season. Um, if you're looking overall, now their defense, like I said, is 18th. Over this 19-game stretch, they're 12th, which is good enough. You know, like I, I think if you ask the Bucks fan, which I will in just a little bit, I'd say they'd sign up for the number one ranked offense and 12th in defense over a 20-game stretch and potentially even longer when you go to the full season sample size. Some trends that I noticed. Now, we got to look at the three-point line and how how much better the Bucks may seem to be. Well, guess what? What if I told you the Bucks are better in three-point percentage. Last year, they finished 10th in three-point percentage. This year, they're 8th in three-point percentage. Um, what if I told you they're making fewer threes a game and taking fewer threes a game? Last year, they were 4th and 4th in three-pointers made and three-pointers attempted per game. This year, they're 8th and ninth in three-pointers made and three-pointers attempted per game. So they're taking less, they're making less, but they seem to be making more of the ones that they take. The biggest change to the Bucks, as far as those those counting stats numbers, the free throw line has just become a weapon. Whereas last year it was a liability. So last year, the Bucks were 29th in three in free throw percentage. They were the second worst team in the NBA as far as free throw percentage is concerned. They were 28th in free throws made per game, 23rd in free throws attempted. So they weren't taking a ton, 
But well, I shouldn't say they were taking a ton. They were just taking the 23rd most in in free throws per game. And they were making the 29th uh, highest percentage. So the second worst team in the league this year. Now, they're the 18th in free throw percentage. So that's not that is a jump from 29th, but it's not exactly world beaters. But the biggest difference this year, they're third in free throws made per game and then second in free throws attempted. Now, a lot of that has to do with Dame Lillard and the fact that they've added around a 90 percent free throw shooter to the mix that gets to the line a ton. And he and Giannis have started to click in, in the half court, in the pick and roll. And when both of them are clicking, this team is as unstoppable as it seems. And it started to show over the last 19 games. So the task is very tall for this Knicks team as they come in 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 this new world without Mitchell Robinson against the Milwaukee Bucks team that is currently humming at the moment. Let's get to my conversation previewing both of these matchups between the New York Knicks and the Milwaukee Bucks with Rowan Cotty of the Eurostep Podcast Network. Enjoy. Joining me now on another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks finally back at Madison Square Garden for two straight games before they go back on the road for another road trip. They get to welcome in the 21 and 7 Milwaukee Bucks, who are also 16 and 3 in their last 19 games. We remember them from the end season tournament, where I'm pretty sure they just hit another three pointer that counted toward that game. Uh, but the Knicks will get a, another look at the Bucks, but this time on their home court. And then on Christmas, they'll get to do it again. Joining me to talk about this home and home matchup against the Bucks uh, from the GSPN, the, the, G, the Eurosports podcast, Eurostep, excuse me podcast network. Ty, I know you're probably going to watch the intro to this. I'm eventually going to get the name of the network <laughs> correct. From GSPN, the Eurostep podcast, his co-host, Mr. Rohan Kadi. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate, the, appreciate the invite. Always happy to talk to Bucks basketball and especially against an opponent like the Knicks, who we We've had a lot of matchups. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be four matchups in the first uh, first sort of third uh, of the season. So it's uh it's been a it's been a lot of Bucks Knicks, and we we got two more in order. Yeah, you you think you you think you consider it a lot of matchups? Imagine being the team that doesn't have Dame Lillard and Giannis, and got an extra game against them uh, as a reward for making it to the in season tournament. Um, I wanted to start in a place that is not specifically related to this matchup, but I want to get some, a bit of the take cycle that's currently going on right now. And I don't even have an opinion on what like Becky Hammond said about Jalen Brunson or what the national discourse just seems to always be about the Knicks. But I guess that actually is like where I want to go with this. It's like the national coverage of your team is always so generic and engagement baity. And like what Becky Hammond said was correct like there's not a long history of short guards leading a team to a title and it's like we didn't do this with Ja we didn't do this with Chris Paul we didn't do this with Donovan Mitchell we didn't do this with Dame we were just like oh they're awesome and that's we just enjoyed them but when it came to the Knicks it's like yeah but he's he he too little is the thing that Becky Hammond said which okay so he too little for what like I can't just enjoy good basketball as someone who roots for a team and covers a team that's also been in the national discourse over the, the majority of the last like five or six years, like what's the most the thing that annoys you the most about how the Bucks are discussed or how they've been discussed over the years? Or is there anything that annoys you about how the Bucks have been discussed or covered? Do you do you have two hours for me to just ah. this topic? Uh, <laughs> by all means, this is your therapist couch. Um that's I consider podcasting to be therapy for me. So uh first off, <laughs> if you're like it's 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 very dichotomous uh coming from a Knicks perspective versus a Bucks perspective in terms of national uh media attention. Uh, because for the longest time, we've had all of this discourse surrounding Milwaukee Bucks. When's Giannis leaving? When is everyone leaving? Mm-hmm. It's 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 always you have to keep the guy happy or he's always threatening his way out. As soon as he signed this extension uh, this past offseason, which he wasn't really expected to sign. I didn't expect him to sign at a three-year extension. It was the immediate reaction was, oh, okay, cool. So it's not next summer you have to worry about. But two summers from now, teams are going to start lining up. And it's like, bro, he just signed his second long-term extension in Milwaukee. I don't understand really 
why there's so much so much fervor to get these guys out of Milwaukee, especially when small markets have been starting to do really well. Like the Indiana Pacers have been a fun story this season. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been an amazing team this season. Uh, you have uh, teams like the Denver Nuggets, who aren't like a traditional small market, but still in like a, a, a media perspective, a small market. They just won the title. The Bucks won the titles through two years ago. It's it's a lot of these small markets sort of thriving. Like the Lakers won one title in the past like fifteen years. It's just they won one title. It's it's not the big markets really thriving. It's these smaller mid markets who are starting to thrive. So I don't really understand the discussion of always needing guys to get out. Now, while it is the opposite discourse for the Knicks where it's like, when, when are they getting their guy? When are they getting their guy? When are they getting their guy? And in regards to the Becky Hammond thing, I almost think Kendrick Perkins is more at fault for that than Becky Hammond. Really? Okay. Because like you, like you started saying, yeah, Jalen Brunson's not like a big guy. He's it, there's not been a history of traditional, like, uh, like best players on the title winning team being like smaller players. So Becky Hammond just saying that in sort of like a throwaway comment is not unreasonable of a take. But Perk Perk does what Perk likes to do and just make things into a bigger thing because she she didn't really want to have it be a massive discussion or anything. It was just a one off comment. But then it just got engaged and it became this whole thing. And you have like this championship level coach having to apologize on Twitter. And it's just like, what what are we doing here? So I, I blame Perk more than anything. But I understand the frustration with Becky Hammond's comment for sure, because you don't see that happening with guys like Ja. Uh, obviously not Steph, but Steph's one of one, but you, you don't see that sort of happening though. I do think Knicks fans would appreciate this sort of discourse, uh, rather than, uh, jaw discourse. Uh, well, yes, I would rather <laughs> talk about Jalen Brunson too small other than the other things we talk about with John Moran. Fair. That's fair. Um, I think the, the only pushback I'll give is like the conversation was rooted. And I think to your point about Perk, like this is something he's part of every day on that on that show. So it's it's I guess part of the the part for the course when it comes to how the Knicks are talked about. And to your point, like it's never talked about like what the Bucks have built despite being uh, a mid to to small market. They're team, small. Right? Market. They're small market. Yeah. So but like but, but they've been able to build a contender that's continued to keep their guy happy over the years, whether it be the Drew Holiday trade, whether it be the Dame Lillard trade. Every single time he's hinted at potentially looking elsewhere, putting pressure on the organization, they've answered the call. And like the, their discourse could just be how good they've been, what their defenses looked like, how shoot, what their offenses looked like over the last 19 games, and then how their defense has improved since making the change on against the Knicks on on uh, the I believe it was November 3rd. We remember it, it well because it was a <laughs> night for Julius Randle. Um, but like putting Brooke back in drop, an actual like intelligent basketball discourse. Like if I want to hear from two people that are supposed to be basketball experts. That's the type of discourse I want to hear. Not every single B block or a block with, well, what do the Knicks still need? And it's like, they have the 10th best record in the NBA, despite not having the thing that you say they need. Let's talk about what they're doing. Right. Let's actually have that conversation. And it it's become exhausting from your perspective. It's exhausting. Like, well, when is Giannis going to leave? And with us, it's like, well, when is someone going to go to the Knicks? It's like, I, we're, we're kind of good right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's literally the like you it's said, almost like pe- people should both. enjoy good basketball. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like basketball is a like the best sport in the world and people should enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Cause like the the conversation or the topic that was led to the question, I guess, that was asked to Becky was like, what again, what do the Knicks still need? And she was like, they're good or whatever, but they don't have a guy. And then Perk came in with his like, they got Jalen Brunson and her her knee jerk response was he too little. And I just was like, Wait, what what are we doing? That's the discourse. Like, yeah. What are we doing? No, like, why I, does I that can, have to become the thing. I know? completely, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. That should not be the discourse surrounding the New York Knicks. They're a good basketball team. It should not be the discourse surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks. They're a good basketball team. These are two very, these are two like solid basketball teams trying to establish themselves early on in the season. The discourse should not be, oh, this guy needs he needs a guy, or what does a loss mean for the Bucks going forward? It's like, no, these are two teams who are solid enough to like determine their own destiny this season. I can see that being very taxing that every loss is like, is this Armageddon? Now it's one thing if it's just Nick's Twitter thinking like the Knicks lost to the Bucks 
and excuse me, to the Jazz. They lost to the Bucks twice. We've been over that. But they lost to the Jazz last Wednesday. And it was this like, oh no, like the sky is now going to fall. We're rolling down headfirst down the mountain. We'll be under 500 by Christmas. They're three and one since then. Like the, the, the way that the Knicks have continued to bounce back, I think, has shown, like you said, that they are a good team. And look, they're going to really be tested in these two matchups against a really good Bucks team. I'm looking through the lineup data as we transition into this matchup. And like I, I, I did this with Ty the last time he was here, but I'll do it with you too. Like last year with the Knicks, like while they were 47 and 35 and they had a good net rating and a, and a th- top three offense, right? There's a very clear date that you have to point to and then like calculate the season from there. And it's December 4th because that's when they went to the nine man rotation. That's when they like sent Devin Fournier to the bench forever. That's when they benched Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose and like played Emmanuel quickly more and pivoted to a more defense with Deuce McBride until the Josh Hart trade. But from that point on December 4th, they were 37 and 22 and one of the better like top six or seven teams record wise in the NBA, which led to them finishing top eight at the end of the year um, with the Bucks, I just now when I go look at their data, I just sort from November 3rd on and to the Knicks fans that know how we like to look at the advanced metrics from November 3rd on the Milwaukee Bucks are first in offense with 123.6 points per 100 possessions. Um, they are third in net rating behind OKC and Philadelphia. They still have a, a, a nine more points per 100 possessions is their net rating, which would be one of the greatest net ratings of all time. And then like their 20th in defense overall. But if you take out those first six games of the season, when they were playing a defense that probably wasn't good to their personnel, uh, they're up to 12th in over that stretch. So during this 16 and three stretch that the Bucks have been on, 12th is, is a respectable defense, especially when you pair it with the number one offense in the league. Am I painting the correct picture that it's really from that point on, they've just been rolling ever since? No, that's that's the perfect date to to really uh, take things from, and it's a it's a good way to look at it. That's how Ty and I have been doing it as well, because yeah, they they went to a defense that was more suited to their personnel, a, a base drop featuring Brooke Lopez if if he's in any act, uh, pick and roll actions. But yeah, I think that's a great way to paint the picture. Is that I, I like the way that you said that twelfth off twelfth rated defense is good enough when you have the best offense because that's really what this Bucks team is now. They're not like a grinded out defensive team anymore. Mm. They're an offensive powerhouse that you're going to need to try and outscore every night, and you're going to lose that battle on most occasions because they just have so much offensive firepower. And if you can just have an average to an above average defense, that's good enough. But you can see like during these this first 28 games of this season and especially uh, in the 16 to three stretch since uh, uh, November 3rd, you really see that this Bucks team is starting to figure out how do they adjust to that? How do they adjust to not being an insane high level defense, which is what they were under Mike Budenholzer uh, and with Drew Holiday at the point guard uh, starting point guard position is they were a defensive powerhouse. That's where they made their bread and butter. That was their identity. They were a grinded out team that really, really, really struggled to score the ball when it came to playoff time in a half-court <laughs> offense. And that's why you see them getting bounced in the first round last year. Obviously, Giannis injury and all that, but and Chris uh, still working his way back. But still, they got bounced in the first round. And it's because they could not score and they couldn't play defense either, which was their <laughs> their uh, their calling card. But if you can't play defense and you can't really play offense, you're not going to succeed, which is how you lose in five games to an eight seed. That's how that happens is when you're bad on offense and bad on defense. Like sometimes basketball analysis is really simple. If you can't score, you can't stop the other team from scoring. You're not going to win. And that, that's what we saw. But now this team has found its half court identity because of Damian Lillard. And he, he, he needs no explanation. And especially in these last couple games, he's starting to really, really hit the ground running. He is the type of guy who's really struggled in terms of shooting in the first month of the season, typically like uh, late October, November. But now he's starting to hit his stride. He's making, I think in his last four games, he's made like an average of four threes a game. And you're starting to see that percentage come up. You're starting to see him more comfortable, especially with Brooke Lopez as a screener, get, being able to get open space. And just the tiniest opening is going to lead to lead to him being able to put up a three because he's one of the greatest shooters of all time. 
these sort of stuff, this sort of offensive powerhouse that we now see in the Milwaukee Bucks is why I feel more confident about them than I did last year is because they just need to have, like you mentioned, an average defense. And if you have the highest scoring offense in the NBA, good luck. Because typically, a lot of these high scoring offenses are young run and gun teams that don't know how to play defense. Take the Indiana Pacers into account. After after their in-season tournament run, they're one and three, I believe. Tyrese Halliburton's averaging like less than 16 points a game. Uh, given he's being blitzed so much now. Te- the, they're the, shutting the-, the water off is what they're doing. They're basically yeah. like, if you have any other teammate that can make us honor them, we'll honor them. But like you said, they're they're blitzing him with three and four guys at this point. Yeah, the book is out on how to how to guard them. You just have to uh, <laughs> recognize that no one else on that team is really going to do anything on mm. offense. Pray, pray Buddy Heald hits a few threes if you're Indiana. But yeah, they're just absolutely blitzing Tyrese Halliburton like before half court. It's ridiculous. You know, it's funny real quick. The the Julius Randle book from the, the first year that he made All-NBA and won Most Improved, the Hawks created a blueprint of just like everybody focus on him. And then the next year, they, there was nobody to focus on after they, they just brought that book in and he had his worst season. It's, I, I liken it a lot to that because then they had to go get Jalen Brunson and it was like, oh, well, now we can't just like triple team or st- direct all of our attention on offense to this one guy. And I, I think Halliburton is unfortunately experiencing the same thing. Yeah. And that's sort of a similar thing about what happened with the Milwaukee Bucks, too, is that, OK, you send all your guys at Giannis. Who else is going to be an elite offensive creator? Because Chris Middleton has not been himself for the last two seasons because of injury, because of surgery. Drew Holiday is just a mess in the playoffs when it comes in just when it comes to offense. It, yeah, it, it's a mess. Uh, I love Drew Holiday. I, I hope he retires a Milwaukee Buck. I hope he comes back. But the the Celtics fans are going to find out real soon. Um <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 gonna see they're gonna see his shot selection in the playoffs and they're gonna okay. be like what is happening here uh t- <laughs> the the ringer is gonna have to write a new column about who actually won the damian lillard trade uh it might be the team that got damian lillard just, which i'm just, sure they'll they'll spin it a, a certain way you know yeah, yeah yeah just just a hint you know the team that gets the better player usually wins the trade uh but that's that's a whole other conversation but first pearl jam Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's that that's a similar playbook that was thrown to the Bucks. Is like, yeah, just load up on load up on Giannis, send literally four or five guys to Giannis, and no one else is going to be able to do anything. Uh, but now you can't do that because Damian Lillard and akin to what the Knicks did in getting Jalen Brunson. Yeah, it, well, I want to make it very clear. Similar concept, concept. I agree. I agree. Similar. I, similar concept. You're right. That it's it's you have to add a second guy that defenses honor. So that way, when you're you're able to create some advantages on offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, what I've been impressed with in the two times, it's really the one time that the Knicks played the Bucks because early on, I, I thought the Knicks had a chance to win that game if Julius Randle is like his D minus game, not his his F plus 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 game. Um, but I, like the second time was just a three point shooting that exists. And it's funny, they're actually by the numbers taking less threes and making less threes than they were last year. But they just look so more lethal in the few times that I've watched the Bucks this year. And I, I mean, you can you speak to that? Was to the Knicks fan that hasn't been paying too much attention to the Bucks since they went, I believe, one hundred for one hundred in their game against them in the in, in the in the in season tournament. Um, 
do the Bucks still have that dynamic or, or lethal a three point uh, threat or, 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 or attack from three point range? I should say. Yeah, they do. And I think when you compare it to last year, like you said, they're taking less threes, they're making less threes. But what what's mm-hmm. actually happening here is while that is that is very true, is the shot quality is going up. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they're getting more wide open looks. They're getting um they're just getting they're generating higher quality uh shots. And the thing is they also have better shooters on this team. Like mm-hmm. first of all, you replace Damian Lillard, or replace Drew Holiday with Damian Lillard. Uh, just a, a massive upgrade in terms of shot making ability. Even though Drew's regular Drew's regular season shooting percentage uh, from three last season was actually pretty decent. Uh, it was one of the highest shooting uh, regular seasons of his career. Um, but Damian Lillard is just another level. Uh, you replace Grayson Allen with Malik Beasley, who is uh, just a gunner, a gunner from three, which I appreciate because Grayson Allen. Oh, I love him. I consider him to be my son. Uh, I, I'm glad that he's thriving in Phoenix. I was the I was one of the only people in the Milwaukee Bucks sort of uh, atmosphere that was always supporting Grayson Allen. And I know that's not like a thing I should like go and say. Uh, he's he's got a <laughs> look. I, I think I, I've come to learn it with the how, how much I've enjoyed DiVincenzo. And you're like the third fan base I think that has told me whether it be now Phoenix and and um. And Utah and Milwaukee, and I'm sure I've known plenty of Duke, Memphis as well. I know Duke fans out there uh, that have have sang his praises. Um, I it's the punchable face for me. That it's a very, it's a very it's, punchable it's, face. It, it's just that it's the only thing. I'm sure he's a great basketball player. He hit a big three against the Knicks last year in in a game uh, at the Garden, and like I, I respect his ability. It's very much it's a TJ McConnell effect, unfortunately, where I I appreciate your game. I respect what you do on the court. You have a very punchable face. That's yes. the entirety of the, the campaign against them. For sure. For sure. hundred percent. No disagreements here. There None whatsoever. Uh, the thing is like Grayson Allen, I was, I was very impressed with his ability to really like not only uh, try and get three pointers off, but uh, try and drive, be like a, a secondary tertiary creator, sort of do something when defenses close out on him and like attacking closeouts. Uh, the thing is uh, too often he would try to, uh, do something else besides shoot the basketball. Malik Beasley does not have that issue. Uh, the thing is with Malik Beasley is he will find his shots and he will get his shots. He knows that he is a three-point shooter. He knows that's what his role is on this team. So he recognizes that and he j- and he takes shots. And he should. He's, he's an elite three-point shooter, especially this season. But you like also recognizing like if he's hot, he will find the ball. The ball finds energy and he brings a lot of energy and he will go. He will get his shots off. So when I say that the Bucks are a lethal three point shooting team, it's be- not necessarily because of gaudy numbers in terms of like their their shot uh, percentage and their their uh, shots taken from three. It's that they're getting higher quality looks from three and they have guys who will pay uh, those opportunities off more than they have in previous seasons. You have guys like Damian Lillard, like Malik Beasley, AJ Green, uh, who's uh, probably a relatively unknown player, uh, undrafted out of Northern Iowa last season. And he he is a guy who will just, he, we, uh, Bucks fans call him Baby Bird because he's like, uh, one, he has like the, the nose thing. He's broken his nose a few times and he's uh, just, okay. he, his, his shooting form kind of looks like Larry Bird's as well, but he is a three point shooter. Like you have to respect him and he's big. I kind of like to think of him as like a Kyle Korver esque because mo- when most people think of Kyle Korver, they do not think six, seven, like Kyle Korver was probably the least six, seven guy who's ever played in the NBA because he just does not play like he's six, seven because he's Kyle Korver. He's going to, he's going to come off pin downs, hit threes, but he was passable because he wasn't going to get su- like attacked too much on defense because he's a big guy and just sometimes size really makes up for defensive lapses. He wasn't the, he wasn't the best. Don't get me wrong. He was not a good defender. AJ green is not a good defender, but you can't abuse him on defense, which is why I think he's a, he's probably one guy who's overlooked in Milwaukee's rotation. We were doing a, a watch along a pl- on playback and then for our, for our YouTube audience during the in-season tournament game. And when AJ Green checked in, we were very much like, who? And I was like, like the, the wide receiver from the Bengals? Like, wait a minute, who is this? And then he hits three threes in the next like four minutes. Like, oh, so it's another one that just apparently just grows on trees. And again, that was a 
a barrage of three point making that the the Bucks put on the Knicks that night. We need um, to we need to have like remember when the all the three Matt Ryan's met in New Orleans or whatever. Exactly. It was? We need to have AJ Green of the Bucks meet the wide receiver AJ Green. And just have them take exactly, but maybe do the Spider Man meme and yes. just have them both point at each other and do it yeah, that hilarious way. image. To your point about the shot quality, now this isn't obviously a perfect tracking metric, but I, I went to NBA stats and looked up the the, the shot dashboard of uh, open three point field goals. So that's closest defender four to six feet away. Bucks are second with eighteen, excuse me, sixteen point one open threes generated per game and the only team they're behind is the Celtics. So to your point, while their three point frequency isn't the most, although it is 18%, 18% of their shots are three pointers. Um, it, they're like you said, they're getting the second most uh, open threes per game. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to take advantage of it again in this matchup against the Knicks. I, I want to just hint on the Celtics, but, you talked about Drew Holiday a bit and how they're eventually going to find out. The only team I think I would put up with the Bucks right now is the Celtics. I have a bit of a Sixers agenda. Them beating them beating Minnesota lowered it a bit because that's a that's a quality victory. I was just very frustrated by their schedule just being like the Pistons or the Wizards or the the uh, pick a tanking team every night and beating Minnesota changes that a little bit, but. How, how do you feel so far about the Celtics so far this year? And not even just the Drew of it all, but like as currently constructed, do you, do you like your team in a seven game series? Oh, the Celtics are a phenomenal basketball team. There's no denying that they have the best record in the NBA for a reason. Mm-hmm. They they have a they have a very very good roster uh, up and down. They I'd, probably the best starting five in the NBA. It's it's just they're they're going to be. They're going to be a very, very tough team uh, to beat. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, one thing that they don't have this season is a guy to just put on wings. And it's it's funny saying that because their guy was Drew Holiday, who got absolutely roasted uh, in in the first round of the playoffs last season by Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of maybe they, maybe they have the same amount of elite wing defenders that they did last year. Uh, but just just the wing tandem of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they really, really, really are, are they they make me nervous because what do the Bucks have to really counter that? Now, maybe that's just me not completely shifting away from the mindset of, oh, this is a good uh, defensive Bucks team. And I should be thinking of how are the Celtics going to be able to outscore the Bucks, but it still it still worries me because the Celtics not only do they have a good offense they have a very good defense too, and it's just going to come down to one health uh, because one guy who's um, sort of been in and out of the lineup and I'm never going to be someone who obviously advocates for injury. I hope everyone is healthy so we can get a true matchup. How is Kristaps Porzingis going to hold up? Uh, that's going to be a big thing because he's sort of an X factor against the Milwaukee Bucks because he, they also have a a stretch five who will just be a gunner from three point range. Like he will get shots up given uh, the bucks also have a, a seven foot one guy to really cover uh, him. So he can't get as easy of shots, but he can shoot over anyone. It doesn't really matter uh, with his length, with his size and his shot. His shot is so quick. It's so Mm. quick. It's so fluid. Is he going to be healthy? Is Al Horford going to be taking any trips to Germany anytime soon? That's going to (laughs) be something to watch for. Uh, I, I swear he did it when he was in OKC. That's uh-huh. the only explanation for whatever <laughs> voodoo magic is going on here. Uh, how is he going to look? He is 37 years old. So we're going to see how that's going to hold up because the front court, I think, is going to wear is going to be where this matchup is won or lost for either team is how do the how do the Celtics really take on the Giannis and Brooke front court and how do the Bucks handle the Al Horford Kristaps Porzingis front court uh, if they they're going to have a lot of lineups where those two are out there together. How does that really work? Or each of them individually? That's going to be what I watch for, which is why I'm really, I'm really waiting to see uh, how uh, Boss Man Nine Nine Jay Crowder comes back. Look, and I, we have a bit on our pod where we, we only for, refer to him as Boss Man Nine Nine. One time we got mm. a YouTube comment because we literally did not say the name Jay Crowder. We got a YouTube comment saying, "Who is Boss Man Nine Nine? <laughs> so we just like, okay, maybe we've leaned too far into the bit. Unaware, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we make sure to say it at least. We make sure to say Jay Crowder the name at least once. So how does Jay Crowder look when he comes back from his abdominal surgery? Because he's that guy. He's going to be the guy 
who's going to try to take on those defensive wing assignments because who else is it going to be? Yeah, anybody else. Who else yeah. is it going to be? It's it's um, is it going to be? It's not going to be Malik Beasley, though he has been trying. It's not going to be Malik Beasley. How does Marjon Bochamp look? How does Andre Jackson Jr. look? That's a tough assignment for a first and second year player. That's it's just going to be it's going to be hard to find those defenders to take on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Maybe Jason Tatum does it to itself, does it to himself, but uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But that matchup just overall, it does scare me. It does scare me because that is a, it's a it's an elite team. It's it's they're, they're a very, very good basketball team. So is there anything else in the East that scares you, whether a potential matchup with Milwaukee, obviously the the Miami of it all? I think they just kind of scare everybody. Miami has like, put the fear of God in me. Uh, so I will always talking to the choir right now. Believe me, I, I get it. We're I, I was I said this to Ty last time he was here. Like, I think. Uh, even the the Celtics pods that I've done here, we all just kind of looked up at the end of the postseason, like, like how do we lose to this team? Like, wait a minute, they were an eight seed that limped into the playoffs, lost to the Hawks. But like, I, I hear you about the fear of God in Miami. It like, is that the is that the only fears that you might have come playoff time? Is there is there a consensus among Bucks fans that maybe like another thing that is fearful other than like? A matchup against the Celtics? I think uh, we can talk about your Sixers agenda a little bit. I share the same agenda in that okay. I do not I do not believe in the Philadelphia 76ers. I genuinely Amen. do not. Uh, because what have we seen uh, year in and year out is just the a drop-off in the postseason from Joel Embiid. And even though they don't have James Harden anymore, so they don't have that drop-off, how does Tyrese Maxey rise to the occasion? How does literally anyone else rise to the occasion? Because... Uh, one thing the Bucks have is they have size. They have a lot of size to match up with Joel Embiid. One thing we saw in the first game of the season, Bucks Sixers, one thing we never saw under Mike Budenholzer, when Brooke Lopez got into a little bit of foul trouble, because Brooke is like a big, strong guy who can kind of hang with Embiid a little bit. He's still going to foul him and uh, get roasted a little bit because he's not as quick as Joel, but he can hang with him a little. But one thing we saw once Brooke went out of the game is Giannis took on the Joel Embiid assignment. Giannis is quicker than Embiid. He can like he can move his body. He can stay with him. He does get into a little bit of foul trouble sometimes. He'll try to reach, try to do too much. But Giannis is a former defensive player of the year for a reason, is that he can try and take on these sort of matches. Is he best suited to be an individual one-on-one defender? No, he's a better help defender. Uh, but can he take on these massive, massive assignments and sometimes? Yeah. Of course he can. That's where we saw like, yeah, Giannis was able to contain Joel Embiid to the best that anyone can, obviously. But when you have two guys that are capable of trying to contain Joel Embiid, it, they they don't scare me. I, I do not care if this comes back to bite me. <laughs> I do not care because if it does, congratulations, you earned it. But no, the, the Philadelphia 76ers do not scare me as a matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks because the Bucks have two guys who are capable of trying to contain Joel Embiid. Listen, I, I'm you talk about the conversation we had at the beginning the, where the Knicks potentially getting a guy um, might have a lot to do with what Joel Embiid does in the playoffs this year. So potentially that's, that's the, the guy, right? Round. That's the guy, right? It is, but it's like the funny thing about this Knicks season is like the way it's played out. Like we, the Donovan Mitchell ship had sailed for us because we saw like what the Knicks were without him. And not to say like they couldn't be better potentially, that offense would be unreal. There's a lot of questions about a Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson backcourt. So the pivot was like, well, what about Paul George? What about Cat? What about Embiid? And all the, I mean, I'll be honest, there was a Giannis conversation during the summer. I wanted to see him actually ask out first before. I even presented that reality out there, but there were Knicks fans that are like, okay, like the, the that run may be ending. Maybe the, the Giannis thing could become into fruition. And Which is fair, look, fair enough based on that look, summer. Fair enough. But look at what's happened to all four of them. The, the guys I just mentioned, the Clippers may like, I know they lost last night, but they are just rolling right now with this new James Harden experiment. Now talk about a spontaneously combustible situation. It's anything with James Harden and their injury history, but I recognize how good they've looked. The Timberwolves could make the finals and it wouldn't surprise me. So maybe cat's not even available. And then Embiid like might win another MVP. It looks incredible. Uh, sans Harden. 
And now you're just like, you're hoping for something crazy to happen come playoff time. And it now has become a Donovan Mitchell thing all over again because of what's happened to the Cavs. And, you know, I think Knicks fans were like, well, we were kind of in for Embiid, but now we need something crazy to happen, which is why I think we'd rather just talk about how good our team is right now, as is, rather than who could potentially come save the franchise that we don't think necessarily needs saving, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I do think there is a chance for 76ers craziness, though. Uh, I, 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 I'm not ruling it out. I'm just no. saying, like, there's no, there was a, a thought going into this year because of where the Sixers started with Harden on the roster that they could be like a seven seed and he was going to pull all the chicanery like he did to the, the, the rockets and just tank the organization. And then like, Maxi started off averaging 30 a game. The Sixers were like, all right, we're good. Like, let's just add depth with what we can get back for James. Yeah. And lo and behold, they actually look kind of good. I, I, I'm with you on the agenda. I Regular season has put some of the expectations and plans on hold, at least. Yeah, that's fair. The Sixers, I, I, it's a shame we've never gotten in this era a Buck Sixers playoff matchup. Uh, yeah. I don't know no Knicks Sixers playoff matchups. I, it's tough. No. It's tough when the Sixers don't make it far in the playoffs. But Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, make it to a conference finals. They were close. They were literally they, a couple bounces away against Toronto from getting there. Did they? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> they you kind of went a lot of Knicks fans over with this. With this, I will say. No, you're, I mean it's, it's like make here. make a conference finals. Do that. Have you tried doing that? You haven't done that since Allen Iverson. Like, try doing that. If you're going to have a two-time... Okay. If it's going to be a two-time MVP, you have to have at least made the conference finals. I mean, come on. I agree. Come on. Like, I will say, this was uh, maybe fair or unfair. Like, this was part of a narrative with Jokic until last season. I know he made it in the bubble, but that was like, you made it, it once in the bubble. It was the Giannis thing too. That's where yeah, it started. That's true. It was, it was uh, a lot of uh, people with votes saying, yeah, we can't give Giannis a third one because they, they lost in the bubble. And uh, they've only made a conference finals, which is an accomplishment that Sixers fans would pray for. They'd go through the streets and climb up those poles or whatever they do. If they made the conference finals, that's, that's Philly, right? I'm not mixing that. That is Philly. No, yeah. that is Philly. Yes. Yeah. Just for making a conference finals, but Giannis being two games away from the finals is not enough to win a third MVP. Uh, even though he went out and did it, but that's the same thing. Jokic did as well, but at least like Jokic made a conference finals. Giannis made a conference finals before winning second MVP. The Philadelphia 76ers should go to a conference finals before Joel Embiid wins the second MVP. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like he should be disqualified. What? It's that's not the point I, of the spot. Listen, I I am here for the anti-Philadelphia slander. I'm always here for Philadelphia slander. Believe me, I, I they my rivals in just about every sport. Not the Eagles because I'm a Jets fan, but like competence is the Jets' rival. So there's a different. <laughs> conversation i know you're from in the wisconsin area i'm sure i talked about this with ty last time the packer uh season hasn't been what you've wanted but you've at least got to enjoy what's happened yeah, with the Jets there's still with a chance of a playoff spot so well it's for the packers yes they're yeah. still in play and with the, the nfc the way they are but um obviously the, the jets were jets were eliminated right before activating air into the 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 active roster how, shout out how, to what was his name i forget the guy who got waved so he could be <laughs> tim boyle yeah tim, no, oh, no, the, no, the, the guy that got waved yeah. for aaron to be, we're talking about a fullback that was part of an offensive protection last week that got Zach Wilson concussed. I'm not exactly like he was quite literally the last man on the roster. He was like, eh, Aaron, come, come on, come practice with us. The funny part about the whole thing is like, like I, I'm pretty sure he was never going to play anyway. And now he's going to come out and take a knee. Like that's how this season's going to end. Aaron Rodgers is going to take the field, be able to say he came back from an Achilles and will just take a knee. Now that, that is may a be a very Aaron Rodgers thing to do. And the funny thing about it is it's going to be against the Patriots. It's going to ruin their their draft positioning. It's going to send Belichick off into the sunset and get either into the sunset or solidify him getting the quarterback that's then going to haunt Jet fans' lives for the next 20 years again. Um, okay, this has now become a Jets podcast. 
What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepix.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. The Knicks play the Bucks twice on Saturday and then again on Christmas on Monday. Um, real quick, do you have any questions about the Knicks or opinions in general about the Knicks? I like to hand the pod over to my my guest, my co-host for the day uh, before before we leave. So, any general thoughts or questions about the New York Knicks? Yeah, what's the front court plan with I mean, Mitchell Robinson out? Mitchell Robinson out and uh, Jericho Sims now being sidelined too. Like, what's the, first of all, awful, horrible. horrible news just do not want to see that ever again pray for hell for everyone but what's the plan (laughs) so especially against like you have two games against the bucks yeah yeah um so i will say we love isaiah hartenstein in this house and loved him as a backup um there were moments last year uh, before the Cavs series at least there were moments last year where then we wondered if Knicks weren't better off in crunch time like with closing with Hartenstein because how it opens up the rim, how it opens up the things you can do with your center. Um, Mitch just, he's very much a, a one trick pony. He's a rim runner and potentially like an offensive rebound machine, but you're not calling plays or really running offense through him. So what Isaiah Hartenstein can do will be a, a different, but I think still effective um, starting center. And we'll see how the defense holds up with a larger sample size of him on the court more. As far as backup center is concerned, um, can I interest you in one 38-year-old Taj Gibson for these two games at least? I saw, um, I saw, I saw a tweet the other day. I wish I could give uh, credit to it, but it was it was very funny. It's like the only consistent thing in the past decade has been Tom Thibodeau wearing Taj Gibson out yep, to the point yep. of exhaustion. Shout out to uh, to the one of the aggregation accounts uh, in Nick's Twitter, IQ for three. They just took a picture, a screenshot of Taj Gibson looking exhausted. And the caption was like, he didn't come back for this, man. He was on his couch last week. And now Tibbs has him in like all these pick and roll coverages against the Nets team. And he just, (laughs) I feel so so bad because we love Tosh over here. But like he's in his second decade getting run racket by Tom (laughs) Thibodeau. And it sucks because like it's like the, the the craziest part about it is this is 37 38 year old Taj Gibson looking like most 37 38 year olds are supposed to at this age and then we just saw LeBron on Monday a year older get a triple double against us and it's like okay that's not how 39 year olds are supposed to look but lo and behold father time has been is undefeated except by one person who's apparently going to defeat him um i think the the plan is to just kind of hold water Right now, maybe some Julius at the five. We saw it for a little bit against the Nets on uh, on on Wednesday. They didn't get a rebound when he was in the game. So it's like people have been clamoring for Julius at the five for a while now, since the Obi Toppin days. And like you, you might be able to play small and have a different look. You throw at teams. You just have no rim protection and no real rebounding strategy when you do. Uh, so I think that the plan is just to to, to wait it out. Um, the schedule lightens up when you get to January a little bit and then see what the market looks like. I could see, I mean, Jericho Sims has gone for a week. Um, 
and then we'll see what how how bad his ankle is. And then I, I think he could be a, a seven to twelve minute backup. I think Taj Gibson, once he gets into some semblance of playing shape, could be a seven to twelve minute backup. And then you go to the trade market. There's I mean, Andre Drummond seems to be the guy Knicks fans are are targeting. The Bulls might have actually started to figure it out though, post Zach Levine. So who knows if they're gonna be in the market to sell. Um but I mean, that's as far as I'm concerned, it's for these two games against the Bucks. It's like each uh, Wheaties Taj going into into both of these games. And I, I maybe this is this is false hope, but I actually do have some confidence in Hartenstein um, in a matchup because I think have just struggled with stretch fives when Mitch is on the floor. And I think Hartenstein can can help can be some like one percent better than, than Mitchell Robinson because his default is in backpedal and drop coverage and and can and rim protection. He can provide both as well as get out to the to the three point line and defend Brooke in ways that Mitch wasn't able to. Yeah, the the one thing about Mitchell Robinson is whenever I've talked about Bucks Knicks matchups in the past, he's the person who was the X factor for me in all of those matchups because he is one of the few centers in the league who is just like straight up longer than Brooke and mm. will be able to like keep up with him and ca- give him some trouble. And uh, the thing with Mitchell Robinson, you, you mentioned it is uh, is sort of a, a slight that he's not able to keep up with Brooke Lopez really at the three point line or stretch fives in general. That's probably mm-hmm. a good thing because that means Brooke shooting a lot of threes, which is bad uh, for the. Oh, Bucks. you don't lo- you don't want him taking a lot of threes. He, he takes a lot of early shot clock threes, and it just it it makes me it makes me upset because, like we talked about earlier, the Bucks have a lot of shooters that were able to knock down these wide open looks. They're generating great looks. It's tough for him to. It's not tough for him. You can't. You probably can do it. He does not pass the ball. Um, I love Brooke Lopez to death. Don't get me wrong, but he, he takes a lot of ill-advised threes, which almost plays into the Bucks' favor when you have a guy like Mitchell Robinson, who is not going to be the best guy out on the three point line. So, uh, that plus he was able to really stay with him inside as well. So when, um, unfortunately he's going to be out for the rest of the season, just it, it, it's, it was probably a win for the Bucks in that regard because Mitchell Robinson really like he, he is the guy who, like scares me the most in in a box Nets matchup, not because of like, he's going to be like gaudy scorer or anything mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. But he is like, he, he can sign to be like, throw like a wrench into the works of how the box really operate. So, um, let's, we'll see what Isaiah Hardenstein's able to do. I just like, I just don't know who's, who's guarding Giannis, uh, on this team. It was uh, Julius last time. Not that it, it was, worked, but it was Julius last time. Yes. You know? Um, so, and they're going to have to stick with it being Julius. I will say yeah. when you mentioned Julius Randle at the five, that's also a very intriguing thing because like we've talked about, the Bucks aren't a great defensive team. If like a team like the Knicks who can go, just go out and run out, run the Bucks, um, just get a, like a, a, like a higher pace of play. Yeah. That's a good option against the Milwaukee Bucks because they will give up threes. They will give up like mid range jumpers. Like if you have a guy like Jalen Brunson, who's going to go off and be able to uh, do what he did in that first matchup against the Bucks, where I believe he had 45, 45 in that, in that game. Yeah. 45 against the Bucks and it made it a really, really close game. One thing the Bucks, uh, now that I bring this up is done, they've done a good job against the Knicks is they've only allowed one of those guys to go off in a given game. Um, whether it was the Bucks doing or not in the first matchup, uh, <laughs> that is uh, to be determined. Uh, Julius was going through it, man. That we, <laughs> nobody knows why. Nobody knows what the cause was. He was going through it, though. It wasn't. It wasn't the finest showing and the best showing I've no, ever seen. No, it was not. No, it was uh, not. No, I say that with the utmost respect. That my <laughs> goodness, it, it was anything that could go wrong, he was doing it like that. That's what those first six games. Yeah. Season, right? And it's, it, I, I don't want to be reductive in saying this, but I feel like we've seen two outlier games so far in these two matchups. We've seen a bad Julius Randall game and we've seen an insane Milwaukee Bucks shooting uh, game. But the thing is, while they're not going to reach those levels again uh, <laughs> against the, that uh, I actually, I think they just hit another three. Uh, that counts. <laughs> uh, but uh it's we're not going to see those levels again but like we've talked about they're going to be able to generate a lot of high quality looks they're going to have to collapse around Giannis because Giannis is going to draw help if Julius Randle's the assignment and uh one thing the Bucks are starting to figure out a little bit more is how getting Dame and Giannis involved at the same time 
early on in the season, it's been a lot of, okay, this is a Dame game. Okay, this is a Giannis game. Okay, this is a Dame game. Now we're starting to see, oh, this is a Dame and Giannis game. Mm. Oh, this is a, oh, uh, Dame's going off. Giannis is going to have a career high in assists sort of game. They're feeding into each other. And by the way, it's one player we have not talked about. Chris Middleton is playing a lot of basketball. He's ramping up. He's a consistent around 30 minutes per game guy now. Yeah, he's another guy who he's not going to... In a matchup against the Knicks, I don't really think Knicks fans have to worry about a Chris Middleton uh, because they have the guys to throw on him. Like If, if you want to throw like a Quinn Grimes or something on Chris Middleton, you can really... You can really slow him down because he's not going to break anyone down off the dribble anymore. He's it, in fact, I've seen a lot of Chris Middleton dribbling up the floor and it's giving me a headache because <laughs> he's like, in order to try and get past a guy who's pressing him, he's like posting him up from three quarters court. And it's like, bro, just give it to Dame, give it to Malik Beasley and just get to the, get to your spot, man. You're not, you're not that guy anymore. Um, but I still very, very much value Chris Middleton. Not, I, I, I predict He's not going to have the strongest games in any of the either of these two matchups, but I would be I'd be going against my own brand if I did not mention Chris Middleton when talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, completely fair with with Middleton. I think the I, I could see them putting Josh Hart on Middleton and then going I, the Quentin Grimes part of it all is is interesting because he's. Like low key playing himself out of the rotation. Not that he shouldn't. Not like I'm not even sure if it's deserved or not, and whether they just have better options. But like the Knicks do have a bit of. I know when I say death lineup, people go to that um, Golden State one that just was unbeatable for years, and then I'm not saying the Knicks have that, but they do have this lineup with with it, it's really the four man combo of Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, Emmanuel Quickly. It's plus like 35 per hundred possessions whenever they're on the court together with any center. And like, as a result, you want to play that lineup as much as possible. It involves two bench players. So Quentin Grimes, who just got moved to the bench, his minutes get cut a bit. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo's shooting 45% from three. His minutes, you don't want to cut too much as the starting two guard now. And then RJ Barrett, has held his own on defense. I don't think he's going to be the like next Paul George that we saw from the first six or seven games, but I think he is serviceable enough that like 20 to 25 minutes is exactly what you want from RJ. And so when your best like point of attack defender, Quentin Grimes, like you probably need him to guard Dame, but when you have like just better options at the two guard spot, I'm very curious where they, where they go in, in a spot like this, you know? So I, yeah. It's going to create some matchups that are interesting. Now, One, it may not matter if you're telling me that they're going to get a Dame and a Giannis game, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It, in fact, a matchup against the Knicks, it's probably more, it's more likely to see a Giannis game than a, than a Dame game because, like you mentioned, they have stronger, like, wing or guard defenders than they do, like, big defenders, especially with mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson out. Even though, like, Robinson never was the primary Giannis defender, he would always be lurking, uh, which was just, like, he, he would he would be very, very smart in how he sort of left Brook and, and sort of helped on Giannis being, like, mm-hmm. sort of a roaming threat. Um, it's funny you bring up RJ Barrett because um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the last matchup against the Knicks, RJ Barrett and Chris Middleton sort of matched minutes a little bit, and they were sort of playing against each other at times. And RJ Barrett is another guy who will probably feast on a Chris Middleton because Chris is. Yeah, I, I yearn for the days when Chris was a three and D guy before he slipped <laughs> on a wet spot in the Cousin Center, and which is just just sent everything into haywire but um rj is going to be able to roast chris middleton he's just going to be he's going to be able to do so he's going to be able to get past him he's going to be able to do whatever he wants with him whether even though he's a little bit smaller than chris uh whether he's going to be able to stop chris from you know doing his patented turnaround fades or anything like that that remains to be seen how he's going to handle like a yana or chris Giannis, chris brook pick and roll that remains to be seen but that's a matchup where i can really see it going either way because if RJ Barrett is going to be able to roast Chris Middleton, but Chris Middleton's also going to be able to get his own against RJ Barrett. I think that leans in the bucks direction because they're sort of, um, I, I like to think of Chris as the canary in the coal mine for the bucks offense in that if <laughs> he's not doing well, 
that means the team isn't doing well because he should be the guy that's really feasting on all of the t- uh, all of the defenders being thrown at Giannis at Dame. He's supposed to be the guy who's like massively overqualified to be a tertiary creator. And if he's not being able to feast, be not being able to go out get a scoring uh, outburst, or not even a scoring outburst, but like a playmaking outburst as well, that's an issue because he's that release valve. And uh, if if the release valve isn't working, that means you can you can even further load up on guys like Giannis and guys like Dame. So if Chris Middleton is sort of struggling against a guy like an RJ Barrett, against a Josh Hart, who's I I'm so jealous of Josh Hart, by the way. I'm so jealous of Josh Hart. Josh Hart would be a perfect buck. He'd wow. be a perfect buck. Like an absolutely perfect Milwaukee buck. But I can never I have two players who I've just always been on my short list of I they would be perfect. Josh Hart. Larry Nance Jr. I think mm. those two would be perfect fits next to especially Damian Lillard now. And I'm just I just want to make it known that I'm very, very jealous of Josh Hart. But if Chris is uh, against a Josh Hart, against an RJ Barrett, and we'll see what happens with Quentin Grimes, whether he takes like a point guard assignment or not. I think he's also a guy who will give Chris Middleton a lot of trouble. Whether Chris is limited by these Knicks defenders, which is why I said earlier, I don't think he's going to be able to have a big game in either of these matchups. That's really going to dictate how this Bucks offense really flows. And at the end of the day, it also like, might not matter because uh, the the Knicks front court is kind of decimated right now. I mean, yeah. Hart, besides Hartenstein, like it, it might not matter because Giannis is a is one of the best players in the world. So if he's able to, if he's able, he he could go out there. He can score sixty. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and it just that might be it. That's that's the if you want to talk about like one A guys, like that's that's yeah, that's Giannis like. It, it might not matter, but if Chris Middleton is limited, I would not be shocked. Again, I am not going to be shocked if these are close games, even with even with the injuries that are sustained by the uh, New York Knicks. I would not be surprised if these are close games because they're sort of like they're they're very similar in the way they're constructed. Like we talked about earlier, like Julius struggles. So they went out and got Jalen Brunson. So guys don't uh, load up on Julius. Same thing happened to the honest Dame. These these are two teams who are sort of um, I the this Knicks team actually reminds me of the Bucks of previous years, not this year, in that they can be a grinded out type of defense. Oh, but also they have like a massive scoring threat. It's like if you added Damian Lillard in a lesser regard. Let me let me say it. it's like <laughs> if you added Damian Lillard to like last year's Bucks team where they had or two years ago's Bucks team where they had all like this PJ Tucker's you have Drew Holiday's you have these type of point of attack and wing defenders and you have a front court threat and you have a backcourt threat so it's like this is it's a very well constructed team so even if Giannis goes out there scores 50 scores 60 um, I could still see this being a very close game games I should say because there's two yeah because the schedule is weird yeah we 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 appreciate the weird schedule um I think the so the that last Bucks game, it actually brought a lot of agita from our 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 audience and the, the vocal part of the Knicks fan base about the overall defensive strategy against Milwaukee, the overhelp, the drop coverage. Um, should they just switch everything? And the Knicks, like to their credit, like did try to switch up their coverages when the Bucks weren't missing. It's just then you're stuck with Damon Giannis one on one, and we don't have the the we don't have the people to guard Damon Giannis one-on-one and it, like they did the same thing against the Celtics where they were dropping initially and like Porzingis hit three threes in the first couple minutes then they switched in the second half and it seems to be more effective but like the Celtics still scored 140 points that night um and I, I think that's my my thought going into this this specific two game matchup is do we see the Knicks switch up their coverages at all and just live with Giannis getting 50 if it means no one else goes off do they do they um if they're hitting their threes i think the knicks have a real shot to like you said make it close cuz that's like been a trend this year that if the knicks are if this is an under 35% from 3 game we might be looking at movie times in the second half but if they're able to like it's, it is part of their strategy that if they're hitting their threes and they also like you said generate a ton of quality looks then yeah this is going to be a close game in the fourth quarter um so I guess we'll we'll see which version of these these uh, teams show up for both of these matchups. Um, I've kept you way longer than I than I said I would. And I really appreciate you giving me the time, but I guess oh, this I'm, needed I'm, to be a 
I'm, I will talk basketball for as long as I can. Well, good. Because this, <laughs> yeah. this probably this is, needed to be a bit of a exercise. This is a short pod. Oh, yeah. well, uh, well, unfortunately, uh, we're going to we're gonna end it here. But this was indeed a supersized version of the pregame pod because these two teams played twice. So we needed to, to double up on the time for today. Uh, Rohan, before you get out of here, tell the fine folks at home where they could find you and all your stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, co-host of the Eurostep on GSPN. Find all of our links at gspn.info. You have me and Ty talking bucks. We have Adam McGee, Jordan Tresky also talking bucks. This is We also have other Wisconsin regional sports like Packers, Brewers. If there are any Packers, Brewers fans listening to this, talk of the Tundra, cruising for a bruise. And we also, all, all links to gspn.info. Um, but yeah, that's that just gspn.info. That's where you can find all of our stuff. Yes. Uh Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and uh, I'd, I'd wish you luck, but I, I wouldn't mean it in, in either of these <laughs> games. Uh, but for the rest of the season, I wish you and, uh, of course, the GSPN crew the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you listeners and you as well. A huge thank you to Rowan again for coming on today's pod. Love collaborating with the GSPN crew, especially when I say GSPN correctly. I I wish you the best, Green Bay Packers, and your pursuit of a playoff berth must be nice and I look forward to 20 years from now when Jordan Love is going to be the Jets quarterback and that'll probably go just as well as the last two Green Bay quarterbacks that ended up in a Jets uniform um as far as the scheduling is concerned, obviously we'll not have a pregame pod before the game on Christmas. I'll be doing the post game on Christmas. John and Jeremy will have a pod on Christmas Eve. Uh, four words for you, cap or no cap. Jeremy has gone into the lab to try and find a replacement for Mitchell Robinson. So stay tuned for that on Sunday. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I'll be back on, on Wednesday with a pod to preview the next matchup against the Thunder. But of course, happy holidays. And to those of you celebrating, Merry Christmas from my family, from my KFS family to all of you. And until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the holidays. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.